Good morning and welcome to Mosaic Community Church, Philadelphia. My name is Angel Halstead. I am the pastor of this wonderful church and I just want to welcome you to our Palm Sunday celebration. We are so close to Easter and we have journeyed these six weeks um, together in this process and so it's great that this season that is monumental in the lives of believers is here and gives us an opportunity to remember again what God did in coming to earth through Jesus Christ to unite our hearts and minds together. Mosaic Community Church is a beautiful church filled with all kinds of diversity and is a, a wonderful reflection of all the peoples of God. And so we are thankful that we get to add you to our numbers today because Jesus Christ is the center of our church and through this center we all feel empowered to make life better by coming together across all of those things that look like they separate us allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us how to be unified, how to leverage all our positives and hold back the negatives that we can be a part of the family of God. And so we welcome you here today. We, we encourage you to, to, to sing with us, to lift up your hands, to sit quietly, be free to do you and how you worship our Father, our Mother, our Savior, the Spirit. And uh, good morning, Mosaic Community Church and friends. Let's worship together. Good morning, Mosaic. Happy Palm Sunday and um, blessings on Holy Week. As I was uh, praying for uh, our service this week, I was really struck with that entry of Jesus, which I've probably read several hundred times over my life. Um, I always loved the, you know, the palm procession, Hosanna, waving the palms. Um, but it really struck me this year that when Jesus came in, the people who were cheering him as king had a different concept. They had a different agenda for that king than the true king of kings had. And my prayer for this week is that I would really come to understand the King of Kings and that I would come to understand better what God intended uh, through all of this. So um, this morning I would just like to pray for our service. Uh, so uh, please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for your coming to earth, for Thank you for how different you were and how different you are, God. That so often I try to put you into a human box that you're like this or you're like this or you know, you're going to do this because it's something I think is important. And um, I just pray that you would flip my perspective and, and all of our perspectives, God, that we would see you for who you are, that we would truly know you more deeply, that we would worship you out of a place of deep, deep joy and deep sustenance and deep 
yearning to understand more fully who you are and what your intention is for us as your body. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you. And just bless our service now. In Jesus' name, amen. A dark night in the garden. The wind was picking up now, blowing clouds across the moon, shrouding the garden in darkness. Stay up with me, Jesus asked his friends. They said yes. <laughs> but they were tired and soon fell asleep. Jesus walked ahead alone into the dark. He needed to talk to his heavenly father. He knew it was time for him to die. They had planned it long ago, he and his father. Jesus was going to take the punishment for all the wrong things anybody had ever done or would ever do. Papa, Father, Jesus cried, and he fell to the ground. Is there any other way to get your children back? To heal their hearts? To get rid of the poison? But Jesus knew there was no other way. All the poison of sin was going to have to go into his own heart. God was going to pour into Jesus' heart all the sadness and brokenness in people's hearts. He was going to pour into Jesus' body all the sickness in people's bodies. God was going to have to blame his son for everything that he had gone wrong. It would crush Jesus. But there was something else, something even more horrible. When people ran away from God, they lost God. It was what happened when they ran away. Not being close to God was like a punishment. Jesus was going to take that punishment. Jesus knew what that meant. He was going to lose his father, and that, Jesus knew, would break his heart in two. Violent sobs shook Jesus' whole body, and Jesus was quiet. Like a lamb, I trust you, Papa, he said. Whatever you say, I will do. Suddenly, through the trees, a glitter of starlight flashed off steel. Into the quiet garden came whispers, muffled voices, clanking metal, and the sound of boots marching. Jesus stood up. He woke his friends. Now is the time, he said gently. Everything that was written about me, what God has been telling people all through the long years, it is all coming true. They're all wearing sandals. That's true. And into the night, with burning torches and lanterns, with swords and clubs and armor, they came. An army of soldiers. Judas led them straight to Jesus so they could arrest him. Jesus was waiting for them. Peter leapt up, took the sword, and tried to defend Jesus. He sliced off a guard's ear. Jesus immediately touched the guard and healed him. Peter, he said, this is not the way. Peter didn't realize that no army, no matter how big, could ever arrest Jesus, not unless Jesus let them. Then Jesus, who had never done anything except love people, was arrested as if he was a criminal. Jesus' friends were afraid, so they ran and hid in the dark shadows. The guards marched Jesus off and took him to the leaders. The leaders put Jesus on trial. Are you the son of God, they asked? I am, Jesus said. Who do you think you are to call yourself God? You must die for calling yourself the son of God. Only the Romans were allowed to kill prisoners, so the leaders made a plan. We'll tell the Romans. This man wants to be our king, and they will crucify him. But it would be all right. It was God's plan. It was for this reason that I was born into the world, Jesus said. All right, ready to pray? Yeah. Okay. Can you, can you say it and I'll copy? Sure. Hands together. Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this day. 
And thank you for the sacrifice of your son. Thank you for the sacrifice of your son. And we pray for all of our Mosaic family. We pray for all of our Mosaic family. And we miss them very much. And we miss them very much. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. praying this week, I was really struck by the tension of the week that here we are looking forward to this wonderful celebration of the triumphal entrance of Jesus and then next Sunday to the resurrection. At the same time, I feel this heaviness um, that I think many of us feel. Uh, what our nation has been through in the past two weeks, what our nation has been through this year um, with um, the racial injustice uh, with the um, attacks on Asian Americans with the shooting in Atlanta and the shooting in Boulder, Colorado and just there seems to be this, this duality that we lived in, live in or that I feel this tension between this celebrating this beautiful triumphant entry of Jesus and yet we have all of this, this ugliness and I really felt as though the Lord was reminding me of Job and when Job sat before the Lord and he found the Lord in a still, small voice. And so I'd like us to just take um, about two minutes um, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and meet us where we are, and then we'll just have a little two-minute period of sort of silent prayer. I trust that the Holy Spirit will minister to you exactly where you are and bring you into a place of healing, a place of understanding, a place of comfort. Um, whatever it is we need, God knows what we need. Um, so I'm just going to pray, and then um, we'll hear a little bell. We'll be have uh, two minutes of silence, and then I'll close us. Lord God, I'm I'm so comforted by the fact that your ways are not our ways. Um, and once again, we stand in this place, God, where we hurt. We hurt for others. 
we don't understand. I don't understand, God, how, how anyone could kill another person. And yet, we see it, we've seen it twice, um, in, in large numbers this week, and we see it every day in our city with the number of homicides and with the injustice. And Lord, even with just taunting someone that that is so dangerous, it's, it's so life, um, not life-giving. It's So Lord, we just, we stand in this place of being joyous in your presence, but wondering about all this other stuff. And I just thank you so much for your Holy Spirit, that God, you gave us the Holy Spirit so we could understand how you, God, um, we could understand more about you, God, and how you interface with us. And so, Holy Spirit, I just invite you now, as as each of us takes a, f- a few moments to to reach out to you, to ask for your insight, your wisdom, your healing, your comfort, and your joy. Lord, we just thank you that we can bring all things to you. 
I pray that this time has been hopeful and healing. I pray that we would continue as a community to seek your face, to seek to be healing, a uh, healing presence in our community, God. Father, we just cry out. We just cry out um, against this, this suffering. We cry out against this hatred, God. And we pray that you would use us as a mighty instrument uh, to, to bring an end to this. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 3. The royal welcome. When they neared Jerusalem, having arrived at Bethphage on Mount Olives, Jesus sent two disciples with these instructions. Go over to the village across from you. You'll find a donkey tethered there, her colt with her. Untie her and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, say, the master needs them. He will send them with you. Cerca ya de Jerusalén, al llegar al Bethfaje junto al monte de los olivos, Jesús envió a dos de sus discípulos con este encargo. Vayan a la aldea que está ahí enfrente, y enseguida encontraron una borrica atada y a su lado un pollino. Desatenlos y tráiganmelos. Y, y, y si alguien le pregunta algo, díganle que el Señor lo neces los necesita y que enseguida los devolverá. Matthew chapter 21, verses 6 through 9. The disciples went and did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They led the donkey and colt out, laid some of their clothes on them, and Jesus mounted. Nearly all the people in the crowd threw their garments down on the road, giving him a royal welcome. Others cut branches from the trees and threw them down as a welcome mat. Crowds went ahead and crowds followed, all of them calling out, Hosanna to David's son. Blessed is he who comes in God's name. Hosanna in highest heaven. Bazidi when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Our sermon today for Palm Sunday, of course, is uh, the scripture found in Matthew 21 regarding Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. I want to start by talking about the people that were gathered there 
and to share just a few things that God has placed on my heart to share with you today on this Sunday. The people who lived in Jerusalem, the people who lived in Israel, they were desperate. Each morning they woke up to do the simple, ordinary things of life that people did back then and much of which people still do. We wash, we prepare meals, we greet our children and our partners, and then we head off to do our work for that day. They did these things, though, in the presence of their oppressors. Can you imagine what it was like to live under the Roman boot? The Ro Roman war machine had pretty much defeated the entire world and they were in charge. And you know, you often hear the saying, to the victors go the spoils of war. After years of existing with their own appointed governors that Rome allowed, they found themselves in a situation where now governors were being appointed to oversee them from Rome. These non-Jewish rulers were assigned to raise tribute, to tax the people, to fill Caesar's coffers. Armed soldiers marched in the streets of Israel, mocking the people, mocking their traditions, their culture, and even their God. And they and their possessions were registered, counted. So, so the authorities knew what each individual, whether wealthy or poor, owned. And they taxed them to the maximum that they could stand. The Jewish people were proud people. But they were living as a conquered nation. Their high priest had to be approved by Rome. History records that they were even forced to offer a sacrifice in recognition of Caesar. Some believed the Roman occupation was divinely appointed. Some of the Jews believed that. Others secretly trained for battles. And they would go out on missions and, and overtake small squads of, a, of, of Roman soldiers. And, and steal back what was taken and at times kill those soldiers. The presence of the Roman soldiers on their streets served to intimidate the people, to keep them in line. No one was safe from Roman ridicule and no one was safe from sudden violence. That sounds all too familiar to me and the times where we're existing in here in America. Go back. Let's go back to the story. Desperate. They were desperate for freedom. To know that their children could walk the streets free of fear. That their resources would not be plundered at the whim of a governor or tax collectors who would collect that heavy burden and add so much on top for themselves. They longed to be treated as human beings instead of being thought as, as, of as disposable goods or chattel or, again, sources of wealth for the, for the Roman Empire. And so 
they lived with a very thin hope but a hope still because God's word as they understood it promised a Messiah a Savior during that time many people came many many men arose and claimed to be the Messiah some attempted up uprisings that were quickly ended and the people as a whole suffered as a result of these uprisings so then in the midst of that context comes another man on the scene but he's different the others spoke of the rise up of Israel through might and power and strength and force he spoke of a coming kingdom. The others caused the people to dream of their freedom, but he caused the people to dream of God interacting with them in the earth again. These false messiahs promised a new day of Hebrew rule, and yet this man promised a day when the people allowed God to once again lead them. The false prophets touched the deepest things, the pains, the longings, in the hearts of the people gathered. But this man caused them to dream again. They spoke of military power. He spoke words that healed. They promised a day when there would be no hunger and he actually fed the people with food and the bread of life. He taught. He reimagined faith with them, interpreting scripture from his unique perspective and his relationship with the Holy Spirit. He spoke with authority and power. He was confident of being known by God. And he knew God. And so the people whispered about him. They held conversations about him in private spaces away from listening ears of, of the oppressors. And word of this, this man, this different kind of, 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 of savior, different kind of Messiah than they expected, this exceptional teacher, this secret healer, caused the people to hope, to whisper, and eventually to join Peter in that declaration that you are the Messiah, the Christ, the one who was to come. His words and his actions caused the people to call him Messiah. His earthly ministry at this time was drawing to a crescendo and a close. He was known throughout the region. Crowds came to hear him. Thousands turned out. Do you know how, how incredible it is, given their time and their context, that Jesus could draw thousands of people, hundreds and thousands of people would gather just to hear him speak or to hope that he would somehow provide a miracle for their need. He stirred the people. There was excitement in the land. 
And now it was the time of Passover and Jesus was headed toward Jerusalem. And if this man was headed toward Jerusalem, the capital, the capital of the nation, the seat of religious power, if he was headed to Jerusalem, something was about to go down. Jesus had his boys get him a donkey. Now, why is that significant? You see, the people wanted the kingdom now. They wanted their old Israel to be reestablished. The, they wanted Israel, I mean, Rome to be beaten back. They expected God to act through force. And here comes Jesus riding a donkey. Not a horse. I'd expect it to be some great steed that demonstrated his force, his power, his authority. But no, he came riding a donkey. Just like the scripture called it in Zechariah 9 and 9. Behold, your king comes unto you meek on a donkey. So right from his entrance into Jerusalem, he was redefining what, defining what being a Messiah meant. According to Dr. Craig Keener, who wrote the uh, InterVarsity Commentary on the New Testament, a former professor of mine, um, in biblical interpretation, Dr. Keener said Jesus redefined his messiahship. How? Leaders and officials used donkeys for civil processions, not military ones. So many of our Bible publishers struggle with this notion. They struggle to understand that, that Jesus was coming differently. Often when we look through the subheadings in our Bibles, we, we see these headings there. And for this section of Scripture found in Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11 that we read, we see the title for many of us, The Triumphal Entry. But Dr. Keener says that was not the case in this circumstance. That Jesus coming in on a donkey was letting the people know through his actions that he was not entering the city as this military force. I could guess that some of the Jews viewed his entry just in general as a signal that it was time. Others probably thought he didn't want to come in so boldly but to disguise himself and so he used the donkey. But Jesus, Jesus was asking through his actions that they accept their king, their Messiah, through meekness and through peace into the city of peace. Now, Dr. Keener notes that those on pilgrimage to Jerusalem during the festivals were welcomed with people by, by spreading out their, their cloaks, by, by cutting down palms and, and putting them on the ground, by spreading out straw to receive them and to let them know they were welcomed. So this behavior was not new, but that this entry of Jesus was different in scale. It was different in significance. 
so much so that the people gathered who had not heard of Jesus or hadn't paid any attention to what was going on or hadn't seen him, that the people asked the question, Who is he? Who is this? They heard the Jewish people shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They raised this incredible ruckus and it was clear that these people were excited to see him. These people adored him. These people found value and worth in him and these people celebrated this one man's entry into Jerusalem. He touched the entire city and caused them to ask that question, who is this? We tell this story every Sunday, every Sunday, every Palm Sunday, sorry, each year. It can seem like, you know, just a an old hat, the story we tell again and again. Um, but there are messages that we can glean from the story and have been over time because, as I said last week, there are deeper depths and higher heights. You can look at the scripture and get more out of it as you grow and mature, as the Holy Spirit is now expanding our understanding of who God is and how God acted and will continue to act in the earth. Early in my sermon, I shared how Jesus' words and actions caused the people watching him to declare him, to declare that he, he, this is the Messiah. Throughout the gospel, we constantly see Jesus telling folks not to share what he'd done for them. He asked them not to declare who he was. These people, though, they shared their tales of his healing. They showed themselves to priests as he instructed them to do. They told of how he fed the thousands with two loaves and fishes. I, I can't imagine how hard it would have been to keep these things secret when God blesses you so much. They shared how he treated who their society viewed as sinners, the, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, uh, the people who were born with disability, how he treated them differently, giving them opportunities to turn from what separated them or what caused them to be separated from the community so they could be restored in relationships. And these people, I imagine, shared what he said, shared those teachings with one another, and spoke of this man who came from Galilee. Because when they asked, who is he? They said, he's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. This witness of the wonderful things he did was one of the reasons they placed their hope in him.
So, I have a question for you. And for me, today on Palm Sunday, what actions or inactivity, inactions, what are our actions and lack of activity saying to people about who we are? Jesus went about doing good. Are you and I doing the same? See, doing nothing and speaking harm-filled words is easy. Doing good, doing good isn't easy. Being pleasant may be easy, but doing good is something altogether different and more. It requires intentionality and effort. It's inconvenient and can be misinterpreted. It places us at risk. It makes people notice us, talk about us, look at us with expectation. But some of us only want good done to us and those in our group, our Christian clique. But Jesus didn't do clicks. So why, why, why would we? Why do we? He said, greater works would you do because I go to the Father. In Jesus, we make the one man, our being in Jesus, we make the one man, Jesus, many. So we can do so much more. Are you and I using that ability that we could add to the more that's being done and that when people see the good that you and I do, they ask, who are they? Why are they doing these things? And we can talk about the Jesus who, the Christ, the Messiah who saves, who rescues, who uses his people and the anointing that he has placed on us to do good just as Jesus did good. I have a last question. Many of the people in Jerusalem had an expectation. Their expectation was a military mighty man coming in and destroying Roman rule. Are you and I holding onto an expectation of Jesus or the Trinity that may not be true? Jesus came in, but he didn't come in as a military leader. He came as meek, as a meek and peaceful king. The Jewish people read their scriptures and concluded this military might was coming. But they got this Jesus instead. Instead of the way they interpreted the scripture. And so there was a potential for a disconnect. There was potential for a drop. And we know how that story ended because of the disconnect. We wanted a military leader. We wanted salvation now. We wanted the establishment of the kingdom. And you would be our king now. On the day he entered the city, 
everyone was his friend because of what they thought he was about to do and provide for them. When that expectation wasn't met, well, we'll talk about that next week. But my question is, are you distraught or even angered? Am I at times distraught and angered by some of my expectations of Jesus not being met in the ways that I thought, in the ways that I've even been taught that Jesus and God would fulfill them? Do you and I get angry that instead of changing others and changing the circumstances we face, Jesus focuses on changing us? Do you think God isn't fair? Honestly, there are times when I, I have to say, Lord, that's not fair. That's not right. That don't seem right to me, Lord. You know, what, what, what's going on? I've lived my entire life under oppression. And if things continue as they have been, I will live and die as someone who has been oppressed. In the shadow of terror. And God has not forced my oppressors to see their wrong. But I can't stop seeing the oppression that exists. And I can't stop seeing how I participate in oppressing and separating. Somehow I feel at times that's not fair. There are times when I feel like I'm impotent. And there are times I feel like God is impotent. But that's not true. You see, we want God to do for us what God has given us the power to do for ourselves and the rest of creation. We are not impotent. At this point in time, we are too few. Too few of people who have been committed to be disciples and share in the living of our lives, that doing good, being out being able to share out of that, out of that, the depth of our relationship with God. To be able to be honest about our joys and our, our failures when we get upset with God and how God shows us the way even through all of that. You see, the thing about going into the earth and making disciples isn't about God being on some big head trip. God just wanting more people to whisper sweet nothings into God's ear. It is not about that. God knows who God is. God is assured and confident in God's identity. So it's not about that kind of trip. God deserves praise. We offer praise because of the depth of the relationship, the wonder and the joy. But he, God, she is not on a head trip. What the making of disciples is about in Christ is that God has appointed Jesus to be the unifying force in all creation. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess of those in heaven, of those 
on the earth of those under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord Philippians 2 10 through 11 yet there that chapter begins with making a, an appeal to the reader based on our mutual dwelling in Christ our dwelling in the work Christ's work of redemption and that God now lives in us it says in those early verses at the beginning of the chapter, Make my joy complete by living in harmony and being of the same mind and of one purpose, just like Jesus. Don't do things through strife and vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, in meekness. Esteem others. Yes, look out for your, what's yours, but look out for what's theirs too. Be of the same mind and character as Christ, know, though knowing who he was, that he was God. He didn't cling to that, but he emptied himself to be formed like human beings and joining us. And he was obedient to what it would cost to unify or to reunify humanity he was clear that it would cost his life and the scripture is telling us to be like him because through his obedience God exalted him and gave him a name above every name that his name every knee bow every knee confess the wonder that in this one man salvation rescue reimagining our existence could come into being that entry was not a triumph of a military purpose or pursuit it was the triumph of God's purpose for creation being restored. It was the invitation to partake in what was about to take place. And that invitation continues to echo throughout time and reach your ears and my ears, your heart and my heart. The invitation to join with Jesus in making all things new. That invitation continues. And Jesus has appointed and anointed you and me to deliver this message to the world through the living of our lives. That's why the living of his life was so important. We dismiss it as less than his death. Because, but, but the living of his life instructed us. In his living, he guided us. He was the example, the role model for us. And then said, now go do the same. Trust God. Talk to us. Live your life with us. God is saying. And invite other peoples of the world to join. And like you, be in the process of being transformed through the incredible power of your life lived in unity.
with Christ and with humanity and with all of creation. We must change the way things are. God gave the earth to humanity to care for. And when we decide together to do just that, there is nothing we can't do. There is nothing we can't do. So this Palm Sunday, when you think about Jesus entering into Jerusalem, the city of peace, as its king, please remember this, that it's not by might and it's not by power, but by God's Spirit that you and I have become the dwelling place for that all things are possible. May you be blessed as you reflect on the life of Jesus Christ, even more so in this, this next week, as you reflect on how he lived and all the things that he did in the course of this week, as you reflect on how he gave himself for us, to us, in his living, and how he continues to issue invitations to us to join him, to join with him in life as well as in death and life again. The invitation is there has been, continues to echo. What are you, what am I going to do with it? God bless you. And may you know the peace of God as you celebrate this holy week. Amen.
Lord, we just thank you for uh, this opportunity again to come into your presence, to worship, to um, to be taught from your word, Lord, to um, see the faces of those that we hold so dear. Pray that you would bless us this week. Pray that um, the things we heard today would, would grow in our hearts, that we would come to a deeper understanding of who you are. Um, that we would be your hands and feet, that we would be healers and peacemakers, and we would bring joy to you, Lord, and to those that we would bring joy to our community and bless our community. And we pray for our um, the rest of our week, our preparations for Good Friday and um, for Easter Sunday, that it would be a special time that... Um, yeah, that you would just bless our time, that you would bless Pastor Angel as she prepares. And um, we pray that Easter Sunday morning we might have um, an opportunity to come together and to worship you as the sun rises. Uh, we pray for continued healing uh, from COVID in our community and the opportunity that we might have soon to come together once again. Most of all, we just thank you for your faithfulness. You are the faithful one. And we just praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.